Welcome back, Axapod listeners. Happy New Year. My name is Brandon Shu. I'm the host of Axapod. We had a great show this week with the founders of Jump Watts, Brian O'Valley and Arun Ganasakaran. And we had a great conversation about what they're doing in terms of safety in the micromobility space. So I hope you enjoy the show. And welcome back to Acts of Pod, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this week's or this month's episode. I'm here today with uh, Brian O'Valley and Arun, and I'm going to butcher this. I told you, Gunasay Koran. I hope that I hope I got that close to being correct there, Arun. But uh, uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> good. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, Brian and Arun are, are from Jump Watts a company that is dedicated to the micromobility space and specifically looking at some solutions to you know, improve functionality and, from my perspective, the safety of the micromobility space. So we, we really like to talk to organizations that are influencing that, that part of the business. So thank you both for being here. Thank you very much for having us. I really appreciate the opportunity. Excited to, to chat today. Uh, thank you very much for having us, Brandon. Brian and Arun, you know, everybody has their unique backstories in terms of how they got into this business. Obviously, it's a relatively new industry, and you guys have kind of been uh, leading that from a on the you know boots on the ground perspective. And here at an early stage, how did you get into the business, and you know what led you there? Yeah, Arun and I, we've actually been working together for four and a half years now. We previously were working together at another startup called Romeo Power Technology. When we were there, we were bringing products to market. That's what we were doing. So we had incoming applications. We were building custom lithium-ion battery solutions. That entire kind of experience of from clean sheet to there's a problem, and now we have to create some kind of solution and then develop all that technology and then bring that product physically to market. Uh, we got to experience that whole kind of from soup to nuts startup experience, really, uh, bringing products to market. So. There, we also got a lot of insight into upcoming electrified applications and things that people were looking to electrify and new industries that were starting to blossom. Arun and I, we exchanged many ideas. Arun had a workshop that he was ideating consistently at, and he invited me to his workshop one day and he said, hey, come come check this out and let's do some whiteboarding. And um, I don't know, I, I'm a huge fan of whiteboarding and just kind of working through those kinds of conversations. And it was, it was really fun. And it started... With a different idea, we actually were looking at charging infrastructure for heavy industrial trucking, uh, class four through eight. We just kind of continued to funnel funnel the ideas down until we landed on the micromobility industry. It was really hot and had just had been it's a kind of a nascent industry and exploded over, overnight. Really, we knew that with that kind of explosive growth and that kind of uh, coming onto the scene so quickly, it's kind of, there's lots of inefficiencies and problems. And perhaps that we could leverage some of our experience and some of uh, the applications that we had seen and our knowledge that we had uh, gained at Romeo and apply that solution development uh, to this new industry. I also like whiteboarding, uh, although I have terrible <laughs> handwriting, so it, it hardly ever works out for me. <laughs> if I may, I mean, can I add to that? You know, my background is uh, like a technology, uh, mainly in the EV, uh, electric vehicle, powertrains, and batteries. I worked at uh, Tesla. Uh, and then worked at Romeo Power and consumer electronics startup. Uh, you know, when we were working at Romeo in 2017, we had initially had an office in Santa Monica. Then we kind of moved to a different part of the town. And I live close to Santa Monica. And one day I suddenly started seeing these electric scooters pop up all over my my, my, my neighborhood. 
I'm like, what is this? Why are people leaving it <laughs> in, on the streets? Then I kind of started digging into it. And there's this new thing called a shared dockless mobility. So that kind of interested me a lot. You know, I started looking into the industry and kind of seeing, okay, what is this all about and how they are doing it? You know, I even uh, signed up as a charger for like Bird and Lime and just kind of to experience what it is. And I found it's like, there's so many inherent problems with the industry, everything from like, the logistics, charging, security, you know, you've seen this popular image of scooters blocking the streets and, uh, you know, people throwing scooters into the into the ocean and all. So that kind of interested. So when we started uh, looking at it and we actually experienced the problem firsthand, uh, like what can we do to solve this problem? And then that's how we kind of came up with this uh, solution set that we have currently, which will solve a lot of the problems in the micro-mobility industry. You know, I obviously do quite a bit of work in the micromobility space myself, one of the biggest challenges that we see in the space, and I, I believe it's one of the areas that you know you're most focused on at this point, is you know the rebalancing effort of scooters. It's the least efficient part of the business, I would say, if we're painting with a broad brush, because uh, you're no longer you know using this. Uh, small micromobility thought process. Your operators going out with larger four-wheeled vehicles, vans, trucks, that sort of thing, and you know they have people going out and picking up these scooters, tens, or hundreds at a time, and and trying to put them back in their original positions, or going put it, putting them in warehouses and that sort of thing. It can create all sorts of difficulties, from my perspective, from automobile accidents, you know, driving these around and picking these up and blocking traffic and, and that sort of thing to the, the potential of injuring workers while they're picking these up in terms of bending and lifting and that sort of thing. So it seems like this is kind of at the heart of your business model and, and, and trying to figure out, you know, how to maybe streamline that. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've come up with in, in terms of a solution there? Yeah, like, uh, you know, rebalancing is a, is a big issue in the micromobility industry. There's kind of a few parts to it. One is clearing up the parking violations, uh, you know, kind of putting it back in a nice manner uh, that is compliant with the city. Second is charging it. So charging is really actually rebalancing also, uh, bringing it back from, uh, you know, one spot, putting in a warehouse, charging it, taking it back. And third one is rebalancing to meet the demand. So a lot of these uh, rebalancing happens during like busy traffic times. You know, it's a common sight. We've seen a large uh, sprinter type of vans uh, blocking the streets, people loading up, kind of running across the traffic, jaywalking. So, you know, I've actually I've done this myself and then I kind of experienced, oh, man, this is really dangerous and it's really hard. You know, every time these scooters are unwieldy, they weigh, what, 40, 50 pounds. Every time you pick up and you have to kind of stack them up inside a truck or something, you know, you always like, you know, you hit your shin or your fingers get caught in between. It's really hard work. I have respect for the people who do it, but it's also a dangerous work also. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, you know, my background is EV and uh, powertrain and technology. Um, so I'm like, okay, how do I use some of my engineering and technology knowledge to solve this problem? And then why don't we, uh, you know, use a camera and a remote repositioning system? Uh, and that's what uh, kind of the idea came. And then, uh, you know, we started working at it. And then, uh, you know, we came up with this module that uh, can be either OEM integrated or retrofitted into a scooter uh, that has an actuated uh, balancing system. 
and then it can be uh, right now you know it's remote pre-positioning so a video feed will come to a remote user it could be the fleet operator and they can go in and they can uh, reposition these vehicles and we can uh, we also have some ai uh, to detect parking uh, compliance problems if it's left block in a street it will send you an alert and uh, let's say if it's fallen down uh, you know it will send you an alert not only we can remotely upright the scooter, we can also move it uh, and kind of clear the violation. All of this can be just sitting at your desk and, uh, you know, without even uh, going to the scooter. And also we can reposition them over a few miles, either to meet uh, the rider demand, uh, you know, ride hailing type, or uh, just in the background operations, just moving them from one place to another, or even to a charging station where we can take it and automatically charge. I'm watching this video on your website of the uh, the remote controlled or tele operated scooter. By the way, Brian, is is this you on the website in this video? <laughs> yes, yes, it is, it is me. Um, that video will quickly soon be in like the annals of you know <laughs> in our vault somewhere. <laughs> uh, I was supposed to be behind the camera, but uh, we had some challenges shooting that day. So yes, <laughs> I'm in front of it. <laughs> I was looking at. I was looking at. We obviously haven't met in person, but. Uh, we talked a few times and I, and I saw your pictures, saw your picture on LinkedIn. I'm like, yeah, this looks like Brian. So <laughs> you're you're now a, you're a celebrity now, pseudo celebrity. Um, keep keen eye, keen eye though. <laughs> that's right. But you got your you got your 15 minutes. But so <laughs> so anyways, I, the concept here is uh, you know instead of having people running around picking these up, at least at this stage of the process, you you essentially have pilots. Is that right? Uh, of people. Yes being notified of, of some action taken or needing needing to be taken on one of these scooters. It's tipped over or maybe it's in the wrong position and um, you're moving it. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we have jump pilots. So that way there's always a human at the controls and the way that the system is developed, it has active detection controls as well. So it, it can aid the pilot in terms of any kind of surrounding uh, impediments or objects, things like that. And we navigate through that teleoperation portal, just like you said. Part of the video that's on the website shows the motion of our vehicle being able to actually, or just being able to self-write the vehicle itself. So, you know, we really put the core, like the operational issues that are causing all these kinds of safety concerns and additional risk to the uh, operating model. And we try to develop the solution set around that. That's why it's critical that, you know, right now you're, you hit the nail on the head with like picking up the scooters and everything. Like that's very, that's dangerous work. There's a lot of injuries that go unreported because the, the companies are leveraging gig workers uh, for you know some of those operations, but uh, you know smash shins and you know bruises like just all kinds of bruises like that you would not believe the number of times you will smash your ankle and shins you know working with scooters on in a given week. It's pretty incredible how many injuries are are uh, the, this this industry is prone to just from all of the manual handling. Oh, totally. I was a kid that grew up in the '90s, so I know all about scooters hitting my ankles. Uh, that was that was. That was like the thing, you know, this was before the, uh, you know, the little kick scooters that were out there. But back in my day, we had the uh, essentially bike tire scooters. Do you remember those? They're essentially like a bike. And it was, it was, it was basically like put on a platform with two. I mean, they were great because you could really cruise in those things because they probably had, you know, 12 or 15 inch wheels. Uh, but, you know, they were, they, they were inflated just like a bike, a bike wheel was. Oh, nice. That sounds pretty fun for, for a kid. 
I'm sure it was uh, yeah. unwe- unwieldy, just like Arun was talking about. <laughs> yeah, when you're trying to handle it, those like handlebars turn on you, and all of a sudden the back end swings around and nails you. It's the worst. Exactly right. So when the scooter's picking itself up, how is that working exactly? You're installing some sort of kickstand mechanism with uh, with additional wheels. Is that is that what it is? Yeah, it's a bolt-on system device. Arun, Arun, you want to go into like the specifics of uh, the system? Yeah, for sure. Now I'll share a better video with you, Brandon. The one on our website, a little bit cryptic. So how it works is, uh, you know, we have a bolt-on system that goes in the front part of the scooter, in between the stem and the base. And it can be, you know, easily redesigned to fit any type of scooter out there. Uh, so what it has is it has uh, two actuated kickstands, one on each side, uh, and it has, uh, you know, and it's, retrof- it's fitted with a, a powerful actuator. Uh, and at the end of the actuator on the, on the kickstand is actually a wheel. When it's fallen down, AI system detects it, and then it sends a notification. And then uh, jump pilots, uh, what we call the remote operator, we call them jump pilots. They come online, and then they can uh, remotely control that. And they can actuate, turn on the actuators, and then it'll slowly upright the scooter and then comes to like a vertical position. And uh, it also acts as uh, uh, balancing wheels while we're teleoperating it. There are some other systems out there, but uh, we really have like a really wide balancing wheels and gives a lot of stability. And not only can act as a balancing system while it's been teleoperated, it can also act as a training wheel while person is riding the scooter that add, uh, gives excess stability, a little bit extra stability to them, especially if they are not very well versed with uh, riding scooters or know how to balance on two wheels. That's an added benefit of the system. Got it. Very cool. Yeah, we think that last part uh, adds a lot to it as well. Um, there's been many reports released about how the propensity for first-time riders to be injured uh, riding these scooters. So you know, if we can work with the operators and the OEMs to integrate the technology, now you can have kind of a graduated rider program where, you know, perhaps they use the training wheels for the first X amount of rides or miles, whatever it may be, until they get used to the dynamics of the of riding a micromobility device. And maybe that can, that can really make an impact on rider injury as well. I mean, that's it's all very interesting. And I think the concept is probably welcomed by the industry. So when we're talking about these jump pilots, obviously, when these operators have people out on the street, picking up and rebalancing scooters, I mean, they can have dozens of people doing this and on multiple shifts and that sort of thing. There's obviously a lot of scooters in some of these jurisdictions. I mean, depending on where you are, I mean, Santa Monica, uh, LA, I mean, there's, there's a lot of scooters out there. And you know, Bird or Lime or whoever can have, you know, thousands in, in any given market. If, if you're working with an operator and you have these pilots working with you guys, I mean, how many vehicles can be right-sized or, you know, repositioned effectively in a kind of a given day? I mean, is this something where since it's tele and not AI at this point, I mean, can you still manipulate a lot of scooters on a, on a daily basis? Yeah, so uh, it, it is tele-operated uh, at this point, uh, but we have, we're working on a system where the operated to scooter ratio will be uh, one is to uh, five to one is to eight at a given time. So it is tele-operated and then, uh, you know, we can navigate over very short distances uh, and one person can effectively watch over like eight scooters, five to eight scooters at a given time in two different screens. That is one part of it. And then from a fleet management perspective, it's not just teleoperation, right? Like when you're actually managing a fleet, you got to go touch the fleet at least once a day in order to effectively uh, kind of manage the fleet. 
Uh, you also have to look at how many scooters need charge and you have to plan your route, things like that. From that perspective, our platform uh, can service uh, uh, one is to 500 scooters in a given area. Like one person is uh, kind of planning the operations, uh, you know, one is to 500 ratio. And the other person can tell you operate it one is to five at this point, and then it can go up to eight uh, eventually. Is the idea right now just that you're you're doing shorter tele-operated movements, or are you thinking if a scooter needs to go back to a warehouse or uh, go back, you know, multiple blocks back to its its original positioning? I mean, is that the is that the idea, or is it is the idea more shorter, smaller movements? We really that that's going to be calibrated with our city partners, and we really want to make sure that we are we're, we're good partners uh, with the cities that are allowing us to operate. So there's really no technological hurdle in terms of how far we can take it. Um, that is in our that is in our our plans to offer that kind of service so that we can really start to impact the fleet logistics. Um, and in order to do that, you know, the the, the wider the, the net we can cast in terms of how far we can move, the more impact we can have on those operational economics. And doing, you know, doing the various uh, operations that are needed, but it, it will depend on what the cities are comfortable with. You know, we want to make sure that we can demonstrate the safety and reliability of the system, and that by implementing our systems, we are not creating new problems that are that are unforeseen. So, um, I think it will be a collaborative work in progress, but uh, technologically and strategically, that is in our funnel. I would like to talk about it from a fleet management perspective, right? Like, you know, uh, let's say for example, we have a Fleet 100 scooters uh, on a daily basis, you know, based on uh, how the density and the rides are, you might need to charge anywhere from 30 to 50 percent of the fleet at a given time at the end of the day, and then uh, you know, and then another 20 or 30 percent needs to be rebalanced uh, to back to the hot zones, you know, where there's demand, and then there's another 20 to 30 percent of the scooters that are like you know in bad position that are fallen down or you know. It's kind of inside a parking garage, or uh, you know, it's in you know behind a bush, for example. And so these are the given kind of split of the task, right? Like charging one, uh, one set, even for charging location of the scooters is hard because the GPS on these devices are not very accurate. A person goes and tries to uh, collect the scooter even manually. A really good people, they can maybe collect maybe eight to ten scooters an hour, and, and locating the scooters is really hard. So what, without you know the camera system on there, they can actually get a live picture or a video feed that will help them in tracing the scooter. That it actually, even if you're not teleoperating, that thing can improve their efficiency of operation. And then the other, like I talked about, the other 20 to 30 percent of uh, micro moments, you know, those typically need to be just moved a few hundred feet. Uh, you know, uh, that can be done too. So we can provide value in pretty much the entire chain. How we choose to implement it, we're just going to go in phases. Uh, as the city, the legislation catches up and uh, our technology gets more mature, and we gain uh, more data behind uh, you know, our systems. What's the data or knowledge behind you know scooters that have kind of been discarded in ways where they're you know they're hidden from view or that sort of thing? Is there a lot of kind of missed opportunities because scooters are not immediately repositioned or you know stood up? Correctively, you know, uh, showcased. I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a really good question, uh, Brandon. Scooters they have a limited uh, battery span. Typically, uh, during the end of the ride, if the scooter is being ridden all day, you know, you might have five, ten percent battery left in the main battery, and there's an auxiliary battery in the scooter. 
that provides a little bit extra juice for uh, to stay on. So if these scooters are not serviced and then repositioned at the right time, the scooter will go offline. Uh, basically run out of juice like 100% in both the batteries. And at that point, it becomes untraceable. When we did some pilots uh, with some of the operators here, you know, we were losing like at certain times, one or two scooters a week to these kind of stuff. Like, you know, it goes, gets caught inside a parking garage. A logistics guy goes and uh, tries to trace it. He's not able to trace it, but he's on clock, right? You got to go to the next uh, next place, next place. You know, you can only spend so much time trying to trace a scooter. So, yeah, if you do not uh, service this in a time-bound manner, that scooter is gone. Like, you know, you might be able to recover it very rarely, but that happens. So, you know, fleet operators lose a decent amount of scooters uh, you know, on a monthly basis. And typically this is not talked about uh, on the outside. It's, it's a, you know, but we as, uh, you know, being part of this industry, we know this happens a lot. That's where our system comes in. And if we're able to service these scooters, move it to a much more traceable location in, uh, remotely, uh, it actually helps with the recovery rate. The scooter operators, they have two types of teams. One is like the regular logistics. They kind of take care of rebalancing and uh, charging operation. Another team dedicated for recovery. They go behind the fences and, you know, inside parking lots and track down these scooters. So it can really help them, uh, you know, help the recovery teams and recovering these quarters in a time-bound manner. Yeah, I have to imagine that if it's constantly being monitored like this, the increase in profitability has got to be more than on the margins because it's, you know, you see it all around when you're traveling, especially in California, you know, places where scooters kind of are king. But, you know, there's so many discarded scooters that, you know, there's something about that from a choice standpoint, whether you're going to choose to ride a scooter that's, you know, laying in the ground in somebody's yard or one that's standing upright. I mean, even as simple as that, I would think has uh, better economics behind it. So it, I, th- I think it, it just from, from a very cosmetic standpoint is a, is a very good idea. Thanks. We appreciate that. <laughs> we definitely, we're definitely looking at kind of the holistic stakeholder map and really making sure that we are covering, um, areas of value for each one of them, right? So the riders have to be happy, the operators need to be profitable, the cities need to need to need to want this kind of technology, this kind of service offering to give to their communities. And the way that the way that micromobility is implemented today in, in many cities, other cities just see that and, and they're immediately turned off. They are not interested in having micromobility operated in their in their domain the way they're seeing it operated today. And we really hope by, by ushering in you know, new technology and, and new methods of, of running these kinds of operations, we can really change not just the landscape of how it works, but also the optics behind how it's accepted. Yeah, and kind of along that line, the desire or the, the motivation for these cities to want to get involved with micromobility, it's obviously becoming pretty ubiquitous, but there's still a lot of cities that haven't kind of gone down that path yet. But one of the big prohibitors is, of course, the ADA litigation and, and suits that we've seen, class action lawsuits with Bird and Lime, specifically about scooters blocking access to ramps, to you know to blocking sidewalks, uh, to just being kind of a public nuisance and that sort of thing. I mean, what sort of feedback have you gotten from beta tests or operators that are that are looking at at uh, you know using your your product or service from, from that standpoint, because you know, from my standpoint, it's probably one of the biggest factors when you're talking to underwriters and uh, 
you know, markets. I mean, that is one of the biggest things that they're afraid of, especially in terms of riding dockless scooter operators is the fact that they have uh, the availability, they're exposed to these type of outside lawsuits. Yeah, spoken to a number of cities and the, the cities love this idea. It's not an idea anymore, we made it a reality. Uh, the cities love this concept. They really would like to see this implemented, uh, you know, especially in the public nuisance, right? Like, you know, uh, there are like a set of people who absolutely love these scooters. And there's a section of people in the city who do not uh, like them because of many reasons. So that's where, uh, you know, our self-writing and remote repositioning system can come into play and uh, mitigate a lot of those concerns. And that that, uh, helps with that a lot. In terms of uh, kind of keeping the city sidewalks clean, uh, our technology helps a lot. And then the operators, you know, they also like this idea, they're warming up to this new concept. And uh, we've gotten some really good interest uh, recently after our uh, initial outreach to them. Well, especially after you're on this podcast, I mean, I, I got to expect that the phone lines are going to be blowing up for you guys. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, for sure. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, risk and insurance discussion, you know, on a, on, on a Wednesday. But, um, but uh, You'd be surprised in all seriousness, at the uh, listeners, I, 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 had a, I had a gentleman reach out to me yesterday that uh, works at Nike that listens to my podcast. So, you know, we oh, have all sorts that are interested in the micromobility space. So. It's an interesting space. And, and, you know, insurance in general and just risk in general, that, that can make or break lots of industries. So yeah. um, for any fans of micromobility, um, you know, that this whole discussion is, is very pertinent to the, you know, the future existence of, of the industry. And, you know, just to, to kind of add on to what Arun was saying, another, some additional benefits also are like when we can re- remotely reposition and we can control the logistics loop, it also can open up some some interesting new models for how um, how the sidewalks are used in general. So right now, sidewalks are also used as parking lots. But you know, with if you're controlling the repositioning and we can have that that service level that we're talking about, five hundred to one, now you can start to corral the scooters potentially in private land and private use. So then now they're they're actually not using the sidewalks as parking lots. And then we can, uh, now with our repositioning systems, we can do some interesting things with ride hailing. So can we create, you know, some interesting kind of hub and spoke models from a corral perspective, therefore further eliminating impediments from the street. So not only if they're on the sidewalk, we can reposition them and get them out of the way into where they should be parked. But now we can even, you know, further clean the streets perhaps as well. And then with the physical challenges, you know, ADA wise, I think there's some interesting things happening from a product development perspective. There's definitely some companies coming out with sit-down riders uh, to, to accommodate people with uh, different kind of physical needs. And we also feel that like the, the landing gear that we have, you know, that that can really be to assist to people who potentially um, need that extra balance assisting, things like that. So, you know, we, we I don't think it's a, a silver bullet solution, just like nothing would be, but I think that there are definitely elements that we're incorporating that are really going to help out uh, expand this kind of service to people who right now may not be able to use it. Well, last question for you. Obviously, there's a lot of talk and technology advancements out there as it pertains to autonomous and driverless vehicles and that sort of thing. And you know, equally, there's apprehension about those activities as much as there's excitement. So this is not quite yet in an AI or autonomous stage, but for those people that might have some apprehension about scooters rolling around without a person on it. Uh, yeah, it's not something that people have probably seen before, right? So 
what what would you say to them in order to kind of calm their nerves about that sort of thing? <laughs> it's an interesting question. I definitely can understand the potential hesitation of like thinking about armies of robotic scooters going down the street. That's not what we're doing necessarily. Uh, most of the movements would be imperceptible to to people in kind of their everyday lives. Um, you know, we're we're moving at the speed of walking, uh, and then as we work with our city partners to develop the safety capability around faster speeds, you know, that will in, that will increase. But you know, these vehicles are moving at low speeds. Uh, they're mostly, you know, we're trying to optimize the movement to minimize the amount of travel that each scooter is required to do. In the grand scheme of things, you might see a couple, I mean, one, two, three, maybe a handful of scooters walk, going down the street. But uh, I don't think you'll ever see kind of, you know, the, the floods or the armies uh, invading uh, Sunset Boulevard or anything like that. <laughs> I would assume that you're going to have uh, a few surprise faces at first when they see a scooter driving down the road with, without anybody on it. So I, I can imagine some visceral response either, either direction. But uh, yeah, I, I think making sure that uh, it's understood that, you know, these are slow moving uh, rebalancing efforts and that sort of thing. And how does the video work? So for instance, if a scooter had to cross a road and there's a red light or something like that, I mean, is, you're just acting like a walker. I mean, you're aware of your surroundings and the, and the camera is, is uh, able, to, able to pick up kind of everything around you. Yeah, uh, we have a really wide angle cameras. So, you know, a user controlling it as a, a good uh, perception of the surroundings. And we also get like an audio of the surroundings as well. So the person really understands, uh, you know, where they are, what's happening. And then we have uh, our system a little bit different because we also have both front and rear cameras. Uh, so, you know, if they need to back up, for example, they can uh, kind of switch to a rear camera view, just like you're backing up a vehicle. It's really slow also, as in the, the speed is capped at like four to five miles per hour. So all the movements that we make is uh, really slow. You know, on the you know, it's it's kind of like playing a video game. <laughs> you know, you're sitting in a computer with a joystick, and then uh, you know, looking at the camera feed and then audio feed, and then just moving it around in a very slow, slow manner. Yeah, I mean, really, really interesting concept, and hopefully, you find a lot of gamers to be your pilots because I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it makes total sense to me. I mean, it's it's definitely solving a big problem uh, from a, just a, a you know cost, burden, and expense standpoint. So uh, uh, I, I like I, I like the entrepreneurship and, and in, innovation here, guys. So I, I appreciate you being on the being on Axapod and telling us about uh, about your company. And the last thing I would like to touch upon uh, is like what does our uh, system do when it's not being teleoperated and a rider is riding, right? Uh, so here's where we're doing this concept called ARAS, uh, Automatic Rider Assist System. Our system is capable of detecting sidewalks and warning uh, the users not to ride on sidewalks, as well as uh, we can warn them about uh, potholes and uh, blind spot detection and warning uh, system. So it actually like improves the safety when it's not transmitting video and uh, somebody's teleoperating it. When a rider is riding it, uh, you know we have this AI running on the edge that can help with the rider safety. Yeah, great. I know uh, sidewalk is a big deal, especially. Especially lately, with um, I think there was a some sort of article recently that said you know forty percent of accidents or something like that occurred on sidewalks. So it's it's definitely it's definitely something we got to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for for having us and uh, for any anyone that out there that might want to reach us, uh, you can reach um, myself and Arun 
Brian, B-R-Y-A-N at jumpwatts.com. Arun is A-R-U-N at jumpwatts.com. Uh, we're definitely eager to speak to other people that are interested in the mission and uh, any city partners or operators out there that uh, want to have further conversations. If we're not already talking to you, please give us a shout. Yeah, you can also alternatively go to jumpwatts.com and then contact us from there as well. All right, guys, great. Well, when I uh, publish it here, I'll, I'll make sure to tag you when we talk about the podcast. And uh, thanks again for being on the show, guys. Pre- really appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Brandon. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the show this week. Check out more content on Apple Podcasts, Axapod. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Keep listening. And uh, Happy New Year, everyone.